Hey everyone, Anna Lytle here and Kat Pusey, and welcome, welcome to, to the, the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. We're here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to positively and powerfully impacting the Southern Utah community. Today we are talking with Brett and Helena Chamberlain of Brett's Bees and Helena's Honey, who are based out of Washington, Utah, and keep their bees all around Washington County. So today we're going to gain some insight into how much it takes to maintain bees. Now they have about 300 hives. This is what they do full time. They started selling at the farmer's market two and a half years ago. And since then they've been able to take on beekeeping as their full time work. All right, let's get talking with Brett and Helena. And then what's something you wish people knew about beekeeping or bees in general? I feel like you guys kind of answered that too. (laughs) Unless there's anything else you wish people knew about bees. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's an enormous amount of work. Um, just in the harvesting, you know, we, we, we think, you know, that just for what we charge, just the, the extracting of the honey and bottling it up, you know, we should be charging. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, you know, of, of the work that goes into the hives. Do you think you don't charge enough? I'll be honest with you. And, and I, I haven't I said anything don't. because I buy so much honey. But <laughs> give us a discount. But like and charge other people. 23 bucks for a five pound thing is not. That's, that's I, insane. You know, I've, I've tried to keep my prices because I, I know. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to keep them, keep them down, keep yeah. it where people can afford it. And uh, it's also, you know, what you charge also is dependent on how much you're producing too. And, uh, you know, if, if we were selling out halfway through the year, then we could afford to up our prices. But right now we, I don't want to hang on. I don't have the storage space to hang but on to barrels and barrels. Out this year. And we did sell out this year. <laughs> we did. We did. Sir, I want to take a minute to point out that you did sell we out of did. honey. And we went into the winter with more honey than we had ever had before going into the winter. And I thought, there's no way we're going to sell all this honey. We're going to have all this old crystallized honey from the year before. We don't heat our honey back up. A lot of beekeepers, they'll leave it in a barrel or a bucket and they'll store it for years and then they reliquify it and sell it as, you know, fresh. To, as fresh you know? And, <laughs> but uh, we, we don't do that. We, we, we put it into its container and when it crystallizes, it's crystallized. And that way the consumer knows that we haven't heated it, we haven't tampered with it. It's, it's the way raw local honey should be. It should crystallize. If it doesn't crystallize um, or uh, doesn't crystallize quickly, I mean, you gotta wonder what they've done to the honey. Right. You see this honey that sits on the store shelves for months and months, uh, you've gotta wonder what they did to it or if it even is real honey. So, yeah. In fact, yeah, we've, we've discovered, well, not only through my own reading and studying, but through experimentation and just observation that honey that has a higher pollen count will crystallize much faster than honey that doesn't have a high pollen count. Way faster. Way faster. We did, last year we did an extra pollen variety that we didn't do this year because we moved homes this year and we have had a lot going on. But we did an extra pollen variety last year and you could see the pollen sparkling in the jars of honey and we did it mostly into quartz we did quartz and large bears and you could see it like glittering in the honey and that honey crystallized within like three weeks where normally our honey will crystallize within like 
two to five months, it was, it went really fast and it was just, there was something, the honey needs something to copy and bond to. And that pollen provided that extra, extra pollen provided something for that honey to bond to and copy and crystallize really fast. Yeah. So when you're buying liquid honey off the store shelf, um, and it, I mean, it's, it's had to go through shipping and warehouses and storage and it sat on the shelf for so long. Um, they're keeping it liquid through a process of pasteurization and filtration. They're not pasteurizing it to make it safe to remove, you know, like harmful organisms and, you know, bacteria and stuff. They're pasteurizing it and heating it up so that they can get it to go through a fine filter to remove any existing sugar crystals that might be there and then any of the pollen and any of the little particles so that there's nothing for the the, the honey to bind to and copy to, to start that crystallizing process it's got to be a totally sealed up sterile in that jar so that it it will stay but by the time they do that they've kind of destroyed the 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 honey you know they've removed the 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 honey they've destroyed the enzymes they've yeah it's it's just so it's kind of just they've affected the flavor yeah i was like it's kind of pointless sugar syrup by any honey from the store and our our creamed honey that we do it it, you know for years we we were trying to figure out how to get the because creamed honey is kind of graded on its texture and our creamed honey is it's always got just a little bit of grit to it just a little bit of a coarseness to it that i've never been personally i'm 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 picky i i you have a right to be yeah i i it's never as smooth it's your thing yeah it's never as smooth as i would like it to be and and i realize it's because I, you know, in talking to other beekeepers and other producers of creamed honey, um, I'm, they're heating it, they're filtering it, and they're uh, bringing it to just the right moisture content. Um, in our case, we would actually have to add moisture to it. I'm not willing to filter it, I'm not willing to heat it, and I'm not willing to add moisture to it. So our creamed honey's not the smoothest, but it might be the best flavor and the best for you. I right. love it. Yeah, I, I love like, it. this kid over here. <laughs> My husband too. I mean, he's been he's been loving it. He's been putting it she put it on pancakes or waffles and so then I told my husband so now he eats it on his pancakes and waffles. Like, I don't buy maple syrup anymore or anything for my yeah. kids' pancakes. I just put honey on it. And the they actually honey. they liked the cream honey because I would make like a honey syrup. I'd put some water and warm it up and melt it. But they just like straight creamed honey. They'll just scoop it on there, smear it on. and You'd be surprised at what honey is good on. You know, I, I've drizzled it on turkey. You know, you, like, oh, no, you think about, you think about like basting a turkey, but even just the, a, a piece of turkey, put a little honey on it. You know, and your fruits, your vegetables, apples, carrots, things like that. Yeah, honey's great on them. But um, one of them that I really liked is you take the crystallized honey that's real coarse and kind of crunchy. And and I put a little bit of that on a salad, and you get that oh. kind of crunchy sh- little little bits of sweet yeah. sugar crystals and honey and stuff on a salad with your dressing and stuff. Could you sell that as a separate product? Yeah. Crystallized honey in a jar, and people salad can topping. Just... There you go, diversify. I'd buy it. Or honeyed nuts. Oh yeah. Like the crystal. I don't know how you do that. I don't know anything about nuts. That would be good. What's something that's been a surprise for you since you started? Helena's honey. Surprise. That people would vandalize bees? Yeah, that that, that was a surprise. The the surprise that she will 
go along with it. <laughs> you take over all of the honey production. Okay. Last night I was losing sleep about this because I realized I've got like sticky containers all over the kitchen and in the house. I mean, the basement where we, you know, the, uh, we, we, we moved to a new house and so we didn't have our, our permanent facility set up. So this spring I turned our basement kitchen into like a temporary uh, honey extraction room and stuff. And it's still just a big sticky mess down there. And I'm just thinking my poor wife, you know, she's, I, I've got to do something about this. Just you know? stay out of the basement. <laughs> she's like, meanwhile, I don't go in the basement. <laughs> the carport, the garage, the whole, the, the, our, 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 our life is just, we're, we're just kind of buried up in bee stuff all over right now. And yeah. I when to... you come to our house, you know that you're in the right place because there's bee equipment and there's, you're like, yeah. I think I found it. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> and I, I lose sleep over it. I'm naturally a kind of a neat freak and like things tidy and organized and things in their place. And But when you're running so far behind, you just can't keep up with it all. And that's, I guess that's one of the things with beekeeping is that there's always something that needs to be done. And I, 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 I kind of got into it thinking, oh, it, it'll have this flexible schedule. I can take off and, and you know, do stuff with my kids. And, and you can, but it's going to come back and get you. (laughs) At the end of the season, when your bees start to die, you'll realize, I took too much time off. And so... Yeah, I had someone at the market today that said, wow, beekeepers make a lot of money. And I was like thinking, well, some of them might make a lot of money, but beekeepers also work really hard. They deserve more than what they make on their product. If you see the overhead too on beekeepers and stuff, I I, I was talking to a, for for example, I was talking to a commercial beekeeper uh, up north and he run, at the time uh, he was running about 2,500 hives. I think they're down to about a thousand right now. Um, There's a big fluctuation. Even this this family's been keeping bees for like three, four generations and over the last year or so they've lost like 50% of their hives. And so it's not just, I mean, everybody is struggling to keep them going and keep in the bees are going, but it's at the expense of the beekeeper. But he, he, I was talking to him about how they requeen and how they, um, put, put new Queens into their hives and how he's buying them and what he's paying for them. And he says, well, we do it every other year. And I said, well, boy, that isn't that like a thousand Queens every year at, you know, 25, $30 a piece. He says, yeah. I says, that's expensive. How can you afford to do that? And he says, you know, I asked that question to a bigger beekeeper than me. He runs about 10,000 hives and he's requeening every single year. And, and his response to me was, I don't see how you can afford not to because of the added production and pr- productivity of the hives uh, by putting in a fresh young queen every spring. And, uh, but I was thinking about that. I was adding that up in my head and I thought, that's a lot of money. And then, and, and I, I said that and he says, oh yeah. And then you look into the, the fuel that we spend to drive them to California and, and, and the bigger beekeepers, I mean, they've got them in the Southern States. They got them on the, in California in the spring to pollinate. They got them up North, you know, in the Northern States and they're trucking them all over the place and just enormous amounts of overhead, just hundreds and thousands of dollars that go into just running those businesses. And so it's, it's like a lot of ag, you know, a lot of upfront cost. You expect to be in it for 
years and years and you have good years, you have bad years and they kind of even out. Well, on the amount of time it takes to do both of you spend like way more than 40 hours a week on it. Yeah. She she's smiling and nodding very timidly and he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> we we spend time every single day. He he's more full-time and I'm a little bit he would consider me full-time and him part-time maybe. <laughs> I, you know, I I I you know stuff like this. I mean this this is work, you know, I, and when I, and, and so I, there's, there's a lot of things that I do that I mean, it's, it's all day, every day yeah. uh, from the time I get up to the time I go to go to bed, you know, there's, there's something that we're doing and, uh, yeah, I may, it may be work that's done around the house, assembling equipment or working with the bees or uh, ordering and, and paperwork or something, but there's always something that needs to be done. You and then you have the actual working with the bees and the extracting of the honey and filling all the containers, putting all your labels on delivering them to different stores invoicing those stores being at the market and then i do the we do lip balm lotion bars and occasionally i get around to soap but i think one of the things that's also been really hard is because we're we're first generation we all of our equipment uh, there's there's a lot of beekeepers that you know commercial beekeepers um you know, they've kind of taken over where dad has left off. And for us, we're, we're from scratch. Every, we've had to learn ourselves every, every bit of tool, a piece of tool, we've, equipment we've had, we've had to assemble, build, we've had to figure it out. We've had to, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to recreate the wheel, trying to figure out, you know, how, how do I, you know, put this honey house together so it's efficient and organized and, and stuff. So, um, there's a lot of equipment. I, I spend a lot of time like mechanicking and and working on equipment and welding and 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 woodworking uh trying to assemble equipment that and a lot of the equipment you know once it's built it will last me forever you know but it's not built yet and i'm like i'm still trying to figure out how a decent way to process my wax you know an effective efficient way to process my wax and so i probably i should probably just I don't know. I should probably go buy some big commercial setup. Bee equipment's expensive. You get yeah, all the stainless like, steel. Look at Helena. I was like, no, you're not allowed to go buy the commercials. <laughs> it is. It is so expensive because I've several times I've like wanted to get into it just as a hobby yeah. because I love bees and chickens. They're kind of my things. Um, but every time I'm just like, that's a lot of money. And if I'm not ready, even just to start it, I'm like, uh, if I, yeah, I was like, not even looking at it commercially. I'm just looking at it for fun. I'm like, oh, it's yeah, like, I, I, every time I look at up, upgrade my equipment, fun. all that stainless steel specialized equipment, it's expensive. Yeah. And, and right now we're about as efficient and as cheap as we can, can, can be. Yeah. But if we upgrade to the next, you know, to where things are partially automated in the honey house and stuff like that, that it gets real expensive from here on out. Uh, I was up at, to, uh, up north and I was kind of did a little tour of one of the honey houses there and I was just like man this is a really cool setup so I got online and looked at it and I think it was like $125,000 or something it was over $120,000 for this this extracting Such equipment and knee, right? I'm like oh and 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 that doesn't include the 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 shop and the the the, the building, building. The, that that it has to go in in the land that and yeah. so we've built this business all from when he decided or when we decided that we were going to go from just a hobby 
to selling honey and doing this as a full-time business for the first eight years that we, so for the last eight of the 10 years, everything that we made from selling honey, everything that we made from pollination, we didn't live on that money. We were still living on our yard care business and we took all of that money every year and put it back into the bee business for eight years. So 10 years as a hobby, eight years as everything goes back into the bee business and only for, this is the second year. So last spring of 2019, we went full-time bees. So this is the second season that it has created income for us to live on. And we still put a portion of it back into our business, but for eight years, everything went back into the bee business to, buy more equipment or buy queens or buy containers to put our honey into. And really 300 hives, it sounds like a lot, but when I talk to other sideline and commercial beekeepers, they're surprised that I went full time with it as, as soon as I did. Yeah. And they so, say, what do you do for your other job? I if did, you yeah. only have 300 hives, what do you do for your other job? I, I was, I was in California and I was helping a commercial beekeeper with his hives there um, a, f- a few years back. And I mentioned, I, you know, how many hives you have I said I have a couple hundred and the very next thing the guy asked me is what do you do for a living and so <laughs> I told him I mow lawns I run a landscape business because at the time that's where how we supported ourselves uh-huh. so so how many pounds of honey can you get from like one hive because you harvest do you harvest once a year um, per hive sometimes you can get a bumper crop yeah <laughs> but not when your hives get vandalized yeah. that's how I know about it, that it, it's 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 uh it, it's very uh, relative, I guess. I, it, it depends on where your hives are, um, how well they've been maintained. Uh, there's a, a thousand variables that go into it. And so I, I've got some locations where they don't produce anything. And I know that, it, you know, each year they're, you know, they're, it's a safe location. So I kind of keep using them. But um, I know that they're not going to pr- produce any surplus honey, really. And I've got other locations where I can pull honey two, three, four times a year. And, you know, they can they can do three, four hundred pounds of honey. Wow. Um, each time or total? No, total. Total. Yeah. Okay. For, for the year. And so, um, but, you know, and we've, we've just been scrambling to keep things going. I really haven't kept re- records as well as I should. I really should know, you know, how much honey is coming out of each location, each hive, and, and how much honey we're producing annually and be able to kind of divide that out so I know what my average is. And so I, I, I don't know. And that, but I just know that there's some years I'll have a hive that for whatever reason just, and sometimes it's right next to a hive that's, you know, usually if I have a good location, all the hives in that location do good. But every once in a while I'll have a hive that just socks away a bunch of honey and, and the hive right next to it, nothing, you know. <laughs> Go figure. You know. They're depressed. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> postpartum. Yeah. They're not a fat bee. Yeah. <laughs> Leave them alone. But I love also that you're like, oh, you, you know, like Mike counts, you're tracking all this stuff. I have no idea how much honey we make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're just trying to keep them you alive. Have so much other information <laughs> that you're keeping track of. You're like, oh, that's incredible. Um, if you could start all over, what's one thing that you wish you would have known? There for, for, for a number of years, uh, it was a daily thing that I would come home with some new epiphany. Some, some of them I, uh, I, you know, I thought I 
thought I knew what I knew, but I didn't. But um, it, it's it's still pretty regular. You know, uh, every, it seems like every season there there's one or two new like oh, I just realized how important this is, you know, like the, the, the bee nutrition health, how, how important that is for, for the bees. That's something that I learned last year. I mean, I knew it was important, but I didn't, I didn't know, no. And it wasn't until I had bees in a location that they were out of town. They're a little further away than some of the other hives. They're the last ones to get their honey supers on. They're the last ones to get treated for the mites. And every single one of those bees in the spring were went to california every single one of them survived uh, and were in and the reason why is because they're in that location that fall there was um a, a crop of plant that produces a lot of nectar and pollen and the bees at that critical stage of their development had the food that they needed. And, th- and that's where we get our hemp honey now. So we hemp flower honey. <laughs> hemp, hemp starts blooming now. About, in fact, I just talked to the grower and she says they're just starting to bloom, but then they'll continue to bloom through October. Wow. And, and so that location now is, uh, is a place where I'm considering actually just for the fall to take bees, not necessarily for the honey, but just so that they'll be healthy. Yeah. And it's so, like a vacation. Yeah. Like a little cruise. Yeah. They get to go out on the hemp farm. <laughs> go out on the hemp farm and <laughs> yeah. fly around all weird and make some honey, bro. <laughs> we, we, we've never had it tested. We have no idea, you know, if there's CBD or w- what other properties there may be in it. We do know that it's kind of smelly honey. That was our first, we, we didn't realize that there was hemp in the area. And well, I went to pull the honey. It was the last honey to be pulled for the season. It was like in November and I should have had the honey pulled off a lot way before and i thought i'm going to pull up there's going to be dead hives you know they're you know and i pull up and the hives are overflowing with bees and honey and i'm like what did they get into what 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 have they been feeding on and it was the last honey to be extracted and we we emptied and cleaned out the system and we so that it wouldn't you know wouldn't mix with the honey that we had done previously and and it smelled it was like old gym socks or something we're like what it, it, it actually sweet and it tastes good yeah. but the smell of it was yeah. was just oh, like funny. overpowering like it, the, the, the whole honey house normally it's got this sweet flowery smell and it just reeked and I was like what is in this honey you know and and so then I, I started asking and found out that there's a few hemp fields close yeah. by where I had my bees that that fall so the, the, the grower actually they they, they, they want to buy our hemp the hemp honey that we produce and they're going to actually have it tested, but they they say that if if it doesn't have the CBD in it, they're going to mix it in <laughs> because that's that's their business yeah, is selling their, CBD. It's, so it's Weedles, right? Or, yeah, Weedles, yeah. Weedles and bees. That's awesome. What did you What do you wish you would have known, like on that first date where you <laughs> were left outside with the hives? <laughs> You know what? It's it's been an adventure, and we we have a um, I have well, it's not up on the wall yet. But when we before we moved, I found a wall hanging that says life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. And for our whole marriage and our whole adventure through this having bees and growing this business, he always says 
what an adventure. When something goes wrong, he just always says, what an adventure. And so it's kind of been a, a change of looking at how you look at the world, how you look at the challenges that you have. You can either be, this is the crappiest thing that could have happened to us. It's setting us back so far. We're going to have to work so much harder. Or you can look at it as an adventure and look at what we get to do. And our kids get really irritated when dad says, oh, what an adventure, because it just means that something else went wrong and now we got to fix this thing. Like we blew a tire or we ran out of gas or someone vandalized our hives. Oh, what an adventure. And that's, I, I wish that earlier I would have just had that perspective to see it as an adventure and not just see it as like all this, all these crappy things happening in life because everybody deals with those hard things but to just have the perspective to see it as an adventure and what what's today going to bring in our adventure you know i got that i was watching a movie it was was like this action adventure movie and and i i just it, it dawned on me as like oh this is so exciting and all this adventure i was like you know the people in that movie if they're they're probably not thinking oh this is an adventure you know no, they're all stressed out it's all stressed Everybody's out stressed out and, and so then <laughs> it just kind of dawned on me as like you know life is kind of like that when things go bad you know it's just like in the movie and and i just like i should just think like every time something goes bad it's like wow this is just like in the movies you know what an adventure and yeah i like it that's maybe good maybe you should make shirts that say life should be a daring adventure uh. I've thought of three shirts while we've been sitting here today. I know, and, now and I'm they're like, all I great ones that away. I would buy. <laughs> I want this fat B shirt. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Okay, well, what would you say motivates and inspires you guys to keep on with the bees? It probably had to do with those bee stings I got early on, and it did something to my brain. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it you know beekeeping really does get into your it gets into your blood, um, and it was, uh, yeah you know you, when you start having dreams about bees and uh, you know it's funny because I, I, you know, most beekeepers will have dreams about bees, and when you, a beekeeper talks about his dreams, other people are like, oh what a horrible nightmare, and I'm like, no those are my good dreams you know those are, <laughs> and I had one particular dream. You can edit this out if you want, but, um, yeah, (laughs) in in this dream, I, I, I remember I pulled up in this car and I noticed I was just climbing out of the car and a couple of bees started kind of buzzing around me. And next I know there's a a bunch of bees and, and I was next to the city park and all of a sudden there's like just a cloud of bees. And I I look and I was like, there's a swarm. Oh, cool. There's a swarm of bees. And, and so I'm, I'm running across this park, you know, with a swarm of bees in the air above me, you know, like trying to follow it. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. You know, there's a swarm of bees, like just big cloud of bees. And, and, and then one kind of landed on me and then another one. And before I know it, they're all just like, just in mass, just like clinging to me. Like you see those pictures of the bee beards and, you know, people got big old mask of bees on their face. It was like that. And I had to plug my nose and my mouth. and And I was just thinking, oh, this is so cool. They, they've chosen me. They've landed on me. And, and 
all of a sudden I feel this wet, uh, like on my face and it come across me and, and I open my eyes and, and there's like, in my mind, it was, a, it was, there's this guy running at me with a fire, uh, with a, with a hose, a garden hose. And I, it was like this firefighter, like coming at me with this garden hose, trying to save me and, and trying to get the bees off me. And I stop, stop. I want this. I want this. And he kind of stops and looks at me kind of puzzled and he starts rolling up the hose and, and he, <laughs> As he's walking away, the last thing I remember is hearing him say, you freak. So, <laughs> I was like, this is literally some people's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to me, I, 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 I thought it was the greatest dream ever. I thought it was uh, uh, neat. But it was just it was the funny, this, this firefighter, he's walking away. He's like, you freak. So. Is it the movie Lilo and Stitch where the one of the little aliens gets attacked by all the mosquitoes oh, and he's yeah. like I'm the chosen one yeah. just like sucking all of his blood away that's what I always think of that when he tells this dream story I am story. the yeah <laughs> do you ever just like does he wake up and be like I had the greatest dream and you're like always okay, tell me he's about a dream it. teller he's a dream teller I don't remember my dreams Hardly ever do I remember him, but he is always telling about a dream. I had this dream. It was so cool. Okay. And your dreams aren't about bees? No, I don't spend as much time oh. out with the bees as he does. Um, it's interesting because sometimes I'll take a phone call while we're out working when I go help him. And the person on the other end of the line will be like... Are you working with the bees? I'm like, uh, yeah, can you hear them? Because you can hear them through the phone when I'm... And they'll be like, well, I'll let you go. Like, I don't want to... Oh, I'm cool. I can talk now. I don't want the bee to We're come good. through the phone or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, when you work with a lot of bees, especially like when we when we take them to California, we've, we'll have hundreds of hives on a trailer and truck and we're unloading them. And you get working with a large number of bees like that. There's just this constant hum, uh-huh. just a big cloud of bees around you all day long. And you go home and you can still hear the buzzing in your ears. You're laying there in bed and you still hear the buzzing. It's like when you get off of a boat and it, you're still rocking from being on a boat for a while. It's how it is with the bees. You can still hear that even. It's bizarre. It's really bizarre. Cause you'll be like, it sounds like there's still bees around to me. There's not though. What's something that you failed at that, and what did you learn from it? Failed at? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's never been any failure. <laughs> Just so you know, that's them laughing, not yes. us. <laughs> <laughs> Been rocking it Let's since see. Day one. Where, where, where do we begin? You know, the thing with, with uh, when it comes to failing with bees, uh, with, with, a, with a lot of agriculture things, you, you plant at the wrong time of year or you have bugs that come in and wipe you out or something, you don't get to try again until next year. And and that's the way it is sometimes with, with bees. I mean, I've, I, I think, well, I've got 20 years of experience, but that's really only 20 tries. And I, I've been kind of self taught. So I'm just now, after 20 tries, I think I'm starting to figure it out. But, oh my but, gosh! But, but, every, every year, every year, I've I've grown and I've learned something new, and so well, I, I've grown to a different size. And so, what worked for me 
a few, a, a few years ago, now that I've got more hives, all of a sudden my truck doesn't work. My trailer doesn't, it doesn't, you know, my honey house doesn't accommodate the, the amount of honey. And, you know, I, I can't requeen my hives the way I used to. And so I kind of have to relearn again, uh, a, a new way of doing things, have to rethink how I'm doing it. This year, the thing that I really had problems with was with my queening. When you got, you know, we came out of almonds with about 225 hives and they all they wanted to do this year is swarm. I don't know why. I nothing. I tried to expand them. I tried ventilating them. I, um, you know, I, we split them, and I'd go back a week later, and they would still have there'd be swarm cells. And I got to the point where I was just having to squish the old queens and let them raise a new one. And it wasn't until I got rid of those old queens. I don't know if it's something they're exposed to or it just got into them and, and under their skin. I think some of it may have been the breeding where I got my queens from the the previous year. Um, I think that was a big part of it because I noticed I had some older queens that were from the year before that and they weren't trying to swarm. And usually the older queens are more prone to swarm. And, and so some of these really old queens weren't trying to swarm. And I think some of it was the breeding, but I realized I need an effective way to uh, handle that in mass. And so we're, we're looking at ways of splitting, requeening, raising our own queens for this next year. Um, and so there, there there's something that I, I kind of wish, you know, things like that. I wish I would have known and could have um, avoided some of those those failures because it it it's cost us a lot this year in time and and lost bees and honey uh, because of that and as yeah I wish I wish I, I would have requeened differently and would have handled my bees a little differently coming out of almonds some of it was also the weather that's a weather always plays a big part I, I come out of California and this year all the, the the entire drive home we were driving through the rain and we get home and where we were going to offload our bees was just a big mud hole and our here our truck weighs you know loaded down we've got over 20,000 pounds of bees on the truck two-wheel drive if we leave the asphalt we're gonna sink and so we're driving around town early morning trying to find a place where we can unload our bees and so we'd already been up all night and worked all day the day before loading bees in California and then we drove all night and then when we got here there was nowhere to put them because everything was dirt roads where we keep our bees yeah so we, we had a hard time finding a place to put them this spring and we ended up just kind of spreading them all over town and I it would have been a lot better had I left them staged all together so that we could have uh, got them all prepped for the season got them all requeened and and all that so that was fun the crane malfunctioned I was at the control panel in the rain pushing up and down as he would tell me what does the electrical uh, panel shorted out the remote shorted out in the rain (laughs) and so she 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 put a tarp or umbrella over the and and was operating the crane from the from the back of the truck and i was out there holding the hive and telling her up down you know level you know giving her directions you know as i was placing the hives and loading and loading the the truck it's always an adventure that's what an adventure (laughs) that purchase of the crane that's I don't know. There's sometimes I still think that was a good decision, a good purchase, but other times I wish I would have gone the way that most commercial beekeepers do and, and, and bought a forklift. So, but the crane does allow me to pull honey and lift up, uh, do hive inspections. Um, and the, the forklift doesn't. So, but I find that when I get behind, the crane's still a little too slow and I find I 
I don't use it um, for for that purpose. And so now I'm kind of wishing that I would have just got a forklift. But for any beekeepers out there that's thinking about uh, doing this for a living, you know, get the forklift. <laughs> stay standard. Keep all of your equipment standard, industry standard, you know, because it's, you know, yeah, there's a reason why these big beekeepers do what they do. It's, it's because it's the best way to do it. <laughs> you want to make any make a living at it anyway so (laughs) yeah i wish i would have worked for a commercial beekeeper for a year or something like that a season but i was mowing lawns so and supporting a family supporting a family and i don't know i i I would have had to uproot my family and uh gone and found somewhere to to hire on and i don't know that i you know i I probably could have found someone where to do that and work for a season or two but then it would have required moving my family and i i got into bees and largely so that it was something that i could so that i could stay at home same thing with the yard care i did the yard care i had i didn't want to have to travel i didn't want to have to go away you know i I wanted to be able to keep my family together and be able to come home for work at the end of each day and um i wanted something that we could do as a family together so (laughs) well this is kind of not on the list but if someone local wanted to get into beekeeping would you consider taking on an apprentice like if they seriously you cannot do that you have so many you have two goats you have a chicken farm stop it other than me if anyone else locally besides myself Because that's probably one of the biggest barriers is that's a lot to learn. And sure, I don't know if there's many other. Um, And that's, it would would have to be a, uh, right now I'm, I'm, I've kind of kept it a size that for the most part we can do it ourselves. There are things that we're, we're kind of getting to the point where there are things where if there was somebody that I don't know how much they would learn because it basically it's going to be, you're going to, your job is going to be to extract this honey all day, you know, and, and all basically you're going to, all you're going to do is be processing honey. Um, and so you could learn everything you need to know about honey in in 20 minutes and the rest of it's just going to be a lot of work so um i don't know how much they would uh, i have a lot of hobbyist beekeepers that want to come out and work with me and help me and it takes more time to yeah. like show them how to do it yeah it does um I get a lot of this. You come help me with my bees, and then I'll come help you with your bees, and that that'll be this great trade. You know, and it's not. Um, it, it it's like asking an accountant. Here, I'll come help you with your taxes, and you help me with my taxes. That's a nice <laughs> trade, right? No, it's not. And and every you know, I go help these. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we love our hobbyists. We, 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 we do, and we do work with a lot of them. I'm, I'm willing, if, if people have questions, and I, I actually go out and look at quite a few hives. Um, in fact, this week I've been out to like, I've, I've helped three different hobbyists who went out and, and looked at their hives, helped them treat them, pull their honey and do that stuff. So I do quite a bit of that. Um, but there, there does come a point, I've also had hobbyists that um, they buy the bees and then like two days later they call me and like, uh, no, well, they want to know when the when when do I get honey? 
you know, and, uh, or, and then they call me a week later and say, oh, I still don't have a bee suit. Can you come help me work with the hive? And, and after a season or two, I'm the only one that's in the hive. I'm the only one doing anything. And they've even taken their bees and dropped them off next to my bees without my permission. I've had that happen a few times where they've, they've gotten bees and found out that, you know, their neighbors weren't happy with it and they've had to move them. And so uh, they just thought, well, I'll just take them over and put them next to Brett's bees. And, uh, and so that's, I, that's, that's not good. Um, yeah. When, when, when bees have a way of spreading diseases and mites and if you're not on top of it then you risk my livelihood when you do that you, you drop your bees off that are infected or diseased or have mites and stuff then you could I cost me my yeah. all, all the bees in that bee yard so um, yeah I, I don't mind working with the, the hobbyist beekeepers in fact this next year as I'm raising queens I intend to um, uh, sell a lot of those queens a lot of those queen cells to help help them to requeen their hives um, I probably will bring on some of those uh, beekeepers to help me with that requeening process and as their compensation they will get queens um, or queen cells to redo their own hives they'll get to see how I do it efficiently and quickly and they can go home and do the same thing with their hives so um there is some of that that we could we can do with the the hobbyists to help them out and i i love talking bees so it, it they they can call and talk bees with me anytime so i love watching helena's reaction to your story she's like yep yeah. yeah he'll talk bees with you <laughs> what's your biggest success and what did you learn from it mary and her yeah that's there the right answer yeah that was my biggest success yeah what did you learn (laughs) she's always right and don't you forget it okay well we'll go into our lightning round questions now lightning round oh Uh -oh. these are the big ones (laughs) thumbs up okay what makes utah special for me? And yeah, for you personally. Well, I, not, this I grew isn't up like here. I've got, I've got I, ancestors that go back to the first pioneers, but really, we actually moved to Missouri, um, was it back 2005 or something? We were out there for a year. And when I came back, uh, I was coming across uh, that 70 that comes out of Grand Junction. And we come into that red rock country and the big white fluffy mm-hmm. clouds and blue skies. And you could just see forever. And I started to cry. And I've never been to that part of the state really, but I realized it was the lighting, the the the, the clear skies, being able to see for a hundred miles, uh, the the brightness, the colors, the red and the blues and the greens, um, and I it's, I I'd never realized why they call it color country mm-hmm. until I had been gone for a while and I came back and I, I was driving, I was alone in my truck and I was just I was I was sobbing. I didn't realize how homesick I had been <laughs> until then. And and for the first couple of months I was back, everywhere I looked, it was just like this place. This is so beautiful. You know, look at the red rocks and, 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 and the skies and the wide open spaces. And I was just, I was in awe. And I just didn't realize I'd, I'd taken it for granted so much. Um, and we live in such a beautiful state. So um, I didn't grow up in Utah. I grew up in Southern California. And as a teenager, my family moved to Missouri. And my family still lives in Missouri. Out of nine children, I'm the only child in Utah. So I don't have immediate family here. Um, I love the, I don't know. I love living here. We've lived in St. George for 
almost 15 years. Um, and I love raising a family here. We have five kids and, and I, I love the uh, beauty, the opportunities for them, the, the, the people. There's a lot of, of great people here and a lot to... Utah is family-oriented. It, it really is. is. Yeah. Schools, kids, uh, you know, programs, youth programs. Um, yeah. Yeah. And all of, all of Brett's family lives in Utah. There's 10 children, and all 10 children live in Utah. <laughs> Doesn't so. seem like a big enough state for that. For all, for all children and children. I'm just curious. All those eight boys. Eight boys They're and two all girls. Still here. They're all in Utah. There's five in my family and we're all like Yeah. Ten states apart. That's my family. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Our family with ten boys or eight boys, we were never real clingy. Uh we uh we could live, you know, three doors apart or three, you know, just down the street from each other. And we'd only see each other on the holidays. Yeah. So uh, when we get together, we enjoy time together, but we, we're not a family that has to do everything together. And Boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay, what's been your favorite part about the farmer's market community? I love the, like, when I come, everyone greets me. And a few weeks ago, I had hurt my arm, and everyone wanted to know, like, what happened to your arm? And still, every week, how's your arm doing? Like, I just feel like they care about each other, and they do. I had someone come up to me today, one of the other vendors, and asked me about another vendor. Have you seen this vendor? I haven't seen her for a while. And I said, oh, I don't I don't know. I guess it has been a few weeks since we've seen her. I wonder what's happening. So I feel like they really do care about each other. Yeah. You're not really there, are you? I'm not there as often. <laughs> I, You're always out with the bees. I'm not saying yeah. that in a weird way. I'm, I'm just like, him. This fall, I, well, last fall we did, I, I brought in those observation hives. Um, I'd like to do that again this fall if yeah, I can. When it cools off, yeah. it's too hot right now to do an observation hive. Yeah. I don't know. They, they, they'd probably do all right if we kept them in the shade, but... I need to get things kind of under control with the bees. That was my favorite. Like, that was one of my favorite moments at the farmer's market is <laughs> he had been bringing these observation hives. And I don't know what happened, but at some point you're like, it's cracked. It's open. Like, it's leaking. It's leaking, it's leaking live bees everywhere. It was, it, was our, it was our very first time in bringing an observation hive to the market. And I had made, it, made the observation hive from scratch the night before. And without doing any type of trial run or anything, <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to stick a bunch of bees into this little glass you know, box and take it to the market with me. And yeah. I didn't realize that plexiglass flexes and warps when it warms up and changes and 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 so we we developed a leak and so i had to run around and luckily cat had some bees some, had some tape and yeah I was, tape. he comes over he's like there's a leak in the hive and i was like uh he's like don't say anything out loud and i was like okay so then i'm walking down the thing and he has the observation thing i don't know if you were you were there weren't you yeah so he's sitting there and he's talking to these kids and the dad and he's like yeah da 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 and I'm standing behind him getting sucked into what he's saying and all of a sudden I just see his hand go and he catches this bee out of 
And he's like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they leave and he's like, I had to catch him. I, like, they, they were just hanging around pestering people. It wasn't yeah. good for business. So it was awesome. I, I, yeah, I, I must have caught 20 or 30 bees, and then I just hold them in my hand and tell no one was looking at it, stick it in a jar. And I didn't was, know you were watching. Yeah, but. no, because I asked you, I was like, what did you just do? And you're, I was like, did you really just snatch a bee out of the air? And you're like, well, yeah, it's my job. I just I got to catch them and keep them. After the 20 or 30 bees, I only got stung once, I think, so... I was shocked. <laughs> and, and, and it was really because I accidentally just, when you're catching them out of the air, you, you, you're prone to accidentally pinch him or squeeze him. So had I not had, had I not pinched him, he wouldn't have stung me. But It was funny. It's still like one of my favorite memories. <laughs> we caught them all. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good. Did you count them? <laughs> Well, some of the, all of them that came back. Need some to of them see some books on away. this. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have a favorite book, publication, or social media account that you find inspirational or profound? Right now, for me, it's every Facebook homeschool page because we started homeschooling our kids this fall. Really? So I'm like, teach me what I need to know. To be successful functioning human. at this, <laughs> yes. And part of that is um, we have kids at all different grade oh, levels, yeah. and so I mean, I was talking to my daughter this week, and I said, I know that this is hard. She chose. I let her choose. She went to school for five days, and then she chose to come home and switch to all homeschool. And I said, I know this is hard because you've gone to school for eight years in the public school system. And now to say, let's come home and do it differently. And it's not going to look like public school. And that's okay. It's, I said, we just have to change the way we think for this to, to work. And it's not, and this is what it's going to look like. And that's different than what it's always looked like. So, but it's okay. It's okay that it's different now. So that's been like, besides bees, really my focus has been how to teach my kids at home now and how to figure out all of that on the fly. I, you know, some, uh, I, I always tell the, the beginner uh, beekeepers and stuff to, to get a subscription to the American Bee Journal or um, what's the other one, a Bee Culture. Um, it, uh, Basically, for, for for me, it shows up in the mail, and and when you open it up and you read it, it kind of reminds you. It, it usually it has. Oh, I'm a beekeeper. I'm a beekeeper. <laughs> I, need, I got stuff to do. You know, for 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 hobbyists, the, the the tendency to forget. You know, hey, there's something that needs to be done, and and those those bee journals usually have to do with what's coming up, either what you're dealing with with that season or what's coming up with in the next season. So when somebody gets a a bee journal it shows up every month it kind of keeps them uh motivated and focused on you know what what i need to be doing next with the bees so that's something there but as far as inspirational really the only other thing is a few years ago i i really found i like the old testament the bible so uh, i think there i think there's a lot of neat stories in the old testament so 
Yeah, that's where all the blood and gore happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> there are some cool stories yeah, in there. that's where, you know, you get good adventure stories. Yeah. yeah. There's some Indiana Jones moments in that, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, to wrap it up, why should people buy local food and support local farmers and makers? For, for me, and, and this, this has, has a lot, I think, to do with why... Um, part of the reason why we chose to be beekeepers um, is... Basically, we wanted to actually create something, um, a, a food, some some product that we were contributing, um, and it was you know I I just kept thinking there's going to come a day when. Um, you know, shipping and transport and the availability of food commodities um, is not going to be so easy to come by. And we need to have that locally available. And and so that was a big part of it that, um, for, for me with, with bees is being able to produce a food commodity, something um, that in a pinch, you know, we could help supply the, the local... Um, local people. So. Well, and with COVID, I mean, did you guys see like a massive increase in people wanting local honey? We did, and that's why we sold out this year. As in February, our, my phone started ringing with m- multiple calls a day, wow. ten calls a day for people that wanted honey, and not just a container of honey, not a bear. They wanted a case of honey or two cases of honey. And we quickly limited it to two of our tubs of honey per family because we knew that when we got into our honey season, we would have plenty of honey again, but that we only had so much honey to last. And if we sold it all to one or two or three or four people, then all of our other customers would have to go without. And so, yeah, we... We sold through everything we had within about three weeks of of it hitting, and then and then we started extracting a little bit at a time in the basement because that all happened at the same time that we moved. So oh my we were in the middle of a move and selling a house and buying a house, and and it it should have been at the right time of year, but then when COVID happened, we it wasn't then it wasn't the right time of year to be moving anymore because we needed our facility up and going to start extracting again. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah when, when you when you buy local um you might you might get something cheaper from out of state but when you need service and you need answers you you need help with something those those vendors from other countries or from other states or other places aren't there to help you um and so when when you're buying local honey um you know, you're 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 putting it into your 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 dollar into that that rainy day fund when when you need um, when when things aren't available elsewhere. Right. You've you've got that expertise uh, here locally. Yeah, I think COVID was an excellent demonstration of why we need more local. Yeah, yeah. We we, we because we moved. Um, we we've got this new yard, and we thought, well, first thing we want to plant some fruit trees, and. Um, so we went to the nursery and found out that all the fruit trees that we wanted had been sold out. And he, he's like, yeah, we, yeah, everyone has decided that 
that you know it's it was kind of a wake up call this uh, with the the covid everyone put a focus on self sufficiency oh, yeah. and and being able to uh support themselves and so um yeah a lot of people we we've had more people cuz I, I usually i would do a little bit of advertising a little something for selling uh, packages and start starter kits for the bees mm-hmm. and we didn't this year and yet i had a lot of people contact me um that just found me through the grapevine that um you know bought honey from us or whatever and that decided to get into bees and so if there's anybody out there that wants to get into bees i mean we do do that as well we do sell starter kits um and help people get started with the bees so that's awesome well that leads into kind of my next question so if listeners want to find out more about you guys where can they find you and your products the farmer's market yep the online market the downtown farmer's market every saturday from nine to noon it runs may through october and then we also um we have a facebook page that we never put anything on but it does have our phone number and you can call or text us and come out to our house we have our honey um in a few stores locally in saint george and Dixie Nutrition carries it. Um, Your Family Still Matters on Bluff Street carries it. Ace Hardware, the new one in Washington, or no, it's not Washington, but it's on Mall Drive. Um, Red Mountain Market in Ivan's and the Leeds Market in Leeds. Bon Appetit, it's a gourmet dog food store in Washington, carries it, markets it for pets with allergies. So there you go. Are you going to be keeping it here at the co-op too? Do you think you're going to sell it here? Yeah. Awesome. Well, you'll be able to get it here when the co-op opens. (laughs) Well, awesome. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you guys would like to share? Well, awesome. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. I know that was a big chunk of time, but I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah. Good to get our story out there so people know us better. The interesting thing is, is a lot of people know us and we don't know them back. So they're, and when, when I go places, I have people all the time. I think I know you. I think I know you. We'll exchange names and like, and we sell honey. And they say, oh, that's how I know you. You sell honey. I buy honey from you. Yeah. We, when, when we come back in the spring from uh, uh, dropping our bees off in California, mm-hmm. we, we come back with a truckload of oranges, and we've done that oh, for wow. a lot of years. And so a, lo- a, a lot of people will know us as the, the orange honey people here, the, the orange lady. The orange people. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, well, I'll end it here, but thank you guys again. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at Mofaco Utah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we hope, hope to, to see you at the, the farmer's market. market.
The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard. <laughs>